Welcome to the Smoke on the Water podcast. Tonight's episode will be a talking nerdy episode. And my guest is my Padawan, Sydney. So tonight we are going to discuss the latest in the Star Wars franchise, The Tales of the Jedi. Tales of the Jedi is an animated series produced by Dave Filoni, who I think all Star Wars fans will agree is the greatest thing that happened to Star Wars since George Lucas. You, we can't hear your head nod. You can go ahead and agree verbally. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, I mean, this is, this is like a prime example of all the, like, so he, he produced Clone Wars, to be, like, starting off. Right, and he started Clone Wars back when uh, Lucas still owned Star Wars. And, and so since then he's made other things like The Mandalorian and... Uh, Rebels. Rebels, too. Rebels. He he was able to resurrect the Clone Wars and give us seasons uh, six and seven in order to effectively wrap the show up, which felt really good, honestly, to finally get closure to it. And they gave and he gave us the uh, the Bad Batch, which was one spinoff, and now they're giving us Tales of the Jedi, which I think is excellent. I thought Tales of the Jedi was great. It it is six fifteen minute episodes. Uh, if you have not seen them yet, this may be the point where you stop listening, or maybe you just don't care if we spoil it, because you're not going to watch it. So uh, It's an hour and a half. Just, just watch it before, before we talk about it. Yeah, pause it here and start watching it. Consume your Disney Plus! <laughs> anyway, so let's go ahead and start talking about what we thought about this show in general. First of all, um, I felt like it was weird because being a fan of the Clone Wars, um, I'm used to the voice actors sounding a certain way, and I don't, maybe it wasn't the same voice actors, I don't think it was. Uh, If it is, I don't know if they produced their voices differently. Ahsoka definitely was the same voice actress, especially from season seven. I did not feel like Anakin was the same, Um, I didn't feel like Obi-Wan was the same. I mean, maybe there just weren't enough lines to merit bringing them back. I don't know. Anyway. um, Did did Obi-Wan get a speaking role? I don't remember. I mean, he had one speaking role in, what was that, episode... It was the... The Practice Makes Perfect episode, episode five. He had, like, one or two quick lines when when uh, Anakin rolls in late on Ahsoka's training. Anyway. Uh, and, you know, any, any overall thoughts on the show before we recap some, how the episodes go and, and our thoughts on that? I thought it was fun, but if I'm being entirely honest, I really, I really think we could have lived without this. I'm, I mean... I mean, we can live without everything that happens on television, to be honest. Yeah, but as Star Wars fans... These things really, like, aside from maybe episodes five and, uh, episodes four and six, like, they really have very little relevance to the Clone Wars or the movies or anything major. I like that they're, that they're present, and I think, I think they're nice, but it just felt, 
it felt sort of like an anthology, but it followed the same same two characters. Um, I would agree with that for the most part. It's just a very awkward setup. I do feel like that there was um, like an overarching narrative um, of like plot holes being filled in, and you know, obviously they followed pretty much the same two characters for all the episodes. Um, but you know, they gave us some fan service. They gave us you know, Yaddle, who we never saw before. We saw her uh, in some deleted scenes from episode one. Uh, you saw her in some deleted scenes. I don't remember any of that. Yeah, you don't. You don't want to watch any more episode one than you have to. I like to pretend like episode one never happened. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Misa make a terrible movie. <laughs> so anyway, all right. Uh, I mean, I felt like. I felt like the animation was gorgeous as far as uh, the art style. Um, like I felt like it, it was very clean. I felt like the lighting looked great. Um, and it, it was enjoyable to watch. But I did feel like some of the motion was blocky. Like the walking looked awkward. It's always looked awkward. It looks, it, it looks about as awkward as it did in season seven. It, and remember, this is this this didn't get as big of a budget as season seven did. That's fair. And I mean, I honestly think it looks better than the Bad Batch. I do too. Um, it it feels it feels less just a bunch of polygons stuck together, and it feels less like a bunch of polygons stuck together and like blended, and more like uh, actual art. You know. Uh, I would. Agree with that. Um, I I felt like the Bad Batch had uh, smoother animation, though. I feel like that was my one complaint about this was that sometimes the uh, like the motion was awkward enough that it took me out of the story for a second. But I mean, it is it is an animated story. What are you going to do? Anyway, let's let's dive into the episodes. Episode one is called Life and Death. And the overall uh, premise of the story is that uh, the Padawan Ahsoka Tano is born to, I don't remember what the race of aliens she's from is called, um, but she's born to her parents, and at one year old, she's taken out with her mother on a hunt, and they take down a deer, and while her mother is field dressing the deer... Along comes a saber-toothed tiger, and the saber-toothed tiger fights with the mother. The mother is able to save herself from the tiger by the time some villagers get there to protect her. However, in the struggle, she is separated from Ahsoka, and Ahsoka is taken off by the saber-toothed tiger. And of course, obviously, a saber-toothed tiger would eat a baby. I mean, that's what I would do if I were a saber-toothed tiger. I'd probably do that if I was a house cat, to be honest. I mean, it's easy prey. Babies are fat and delicious and plump. Uh, but what happens is they get back to this saber-toothed tiger den, and when they get to the saber-toothed tiger den, the, uh, the tiger starts growling at Ahsoka, and she is able to calm it down. E even at a year old, she's able to calm this tiger down, 
And at the end of the story, she rides back into town on the back of the tiger. And that's when they know that she's a Jedi. That's pretty badass. Which is inaccurate because she's not really a Jedi. She's really just strong with the Force. She's not a Jedi until she's trained and chooses the light side. Yes, but the misuse of the term makes sense because the Jedi are so shrouded in mystery, especially for, uh, for such an unadvanced group, unadvanced civilization. They, they, they see these Jedi and just assume that, 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 that they have no idea the process that it takes to become one. Right. So my takeaway from this was that, I mean, well, first of all, my observation of this, I felt like the tribe that Ahsoka was from was meant to represent an Asian Indian culture. Uh, I mean, they even had an Asian Indian style accent. Isn't Ahsoka Ed, like a like an Asian Indian name? I don't believe it is. I mean, I couldn't say for sure. I'm not well-versed in that culture myself. However, um, you know, I felt like, you know, between the skin tones and the accent that that's what they were trying to tell us her culture was like, which is cool. I'm down. Uh, what, what else do you have to add to this? I thought I thought it was a nice display of her Jedi abilities, especially her her attunement with nature. Uh, I believe I believe that was kind of a kind of a thing they touched on during the Clone Wars uh, series, like her attunement with nature. And I think it was neat to show that from a young age, she always had a way with plants and animals. Cool. Yeah. I just think it was a. I just think it was a nice episode, all in all. All right, episode two is called Justice, and Justice follows uh, C- Count Dooku. Um, I don't. I, what is Count Dooku's name before he goes Sith? I don't even remember. I suppose it would just be it would just be Dooku, wouldn't it? Oh yeah. I mean, because he's he's not a count yet. He he hasn't he hasn't gone and taken that taken that from his father yet. Uh, I didn't know that he took something from his father to become he, a count. I I, th- I thought when he went Sith, he was like, I should be a lord. <laughs> count Dooku, one, two, three Dookus. Oh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, so Count Dooku and his apprentice Qui Gon Jinn go uh, to a remote planet where uh, there's a farm that has been burned to the ground and their objective is to negotiate the release of a senator's son who has been taken hostage. It was a senator, correct? Yeah, it was a senator, but a pretty shitty one. Well, he was an awful, awful human being, for sure. Um, But the farmland has been destroyed. I mean, the farm looks awful. The droids are in disrepair. Uh, and they get into the they get into the town, and the townsfolk admit that they have taken the boy, and they take the Jedi to the boy because obviously they can they have no way to stand against these Jedi. And when they speak to the boy, the boy is just ashamed of how awfully his father has treated these people, and you know what the land is like. Uh, around that time is when the senator arrives with some soldiers. And they intend to kill all the farmers and get the son back. 
during the battle, obviously the Jedi stand with the farmers because they agree this guy's doing some shady shit. So they uh, start shooting and they kill a bunch of farmers and the Jedi are able to repel the blaster bolts because, you know, they're Jedi. And at some point, Qui-Gon Jinn gets very, or not Qui-Gon Jinn, I'm sorry, Count Dooku gets very angry at this senator and he begins to force choke him. And he uh, even stops Qui-Gon from stopping him by throwing him against the, the barn at, what, at which point Qui-Gon releases the sun, and the sun and Qui-Gon are able to get the two of them to stop fighting. Um, and you've seen that Dooku has this dark side to him, although he's still Jedi. Uh, but it's, it's beginning, and that's, that's the episode. You, you hope that you know, this, this senator gets his, his shit together and stops being awful to these farmers, but they don't really tell you. Got anything to add to the plot line? Did I miss anything? Did I kill it? I think I think you killed it like breaking it down. I just I just gotta say I absolutely love how they did Dooku. I think I think it's nice to show his slow descent into the dark side. He, the, the fact that he always had that anger present, sort of like Anakin. I think I think Dooku's supposed to reflect Anakin. I think all the all the Sith from the trilogy, uh, from from the uh, from the prequel trilogy supposed to reflect him in a way and i think that reflects anakin during the clone wars very well his his want to do good and his his want to help people but him not knowing how to do it without hurting others and his i suppose i don't want to say irritability just like how quick to anger he is it definitely reminds me of anakin fair um, you know, I, I, I loved seeing a young Dooku and it's so cool <laughs> and, uh, you know, Qui-Gon as an apprentice. And so now you understand that they have a relationship, which comes into play later on in further episodes. Uh, now here's my beef with this episode. One, Dooku played by the legendary Christopher Lee in the movie series sounds more like Severus Snape, you know, than he does. Christopher Lee. He does not sound like Sauron the Wise, but but rather he sounds like I don't know. He has that is that <sighs> weird uh, um, what's his name Rick? Uh, oh, I forget his name now. The guy who played Alan Rickman. He has that weird Alan Rickman like slow, dirty accent. Uh, instead of the uh, the deep Christopher Lee imposing voice, he didn't really have the deep Christopher Lee imposing voice in Clone Wars. If you if you look back at Clone Wars, he really didn't. He had much more of a he had something between the two, honestly. Okay, well maybe it's just noticeable to me because it sounded more like Rickman than Lee instead of being like a generic Lee like we got in the Clone Wars. I see nothing wrong with it. I think I like. I don't think I don't think Qui Gon sounded a whole lot like. Uh, no, Qui-, Qui Gon was my second beef. Qui Gon didn't even have an Irish accent as a Padawan, and I was like, "What? That's that's not at all what uh, what he sounds like." But it's still nice to see more of Qui Gon. I don't think we can get enough Qui Gon. 
I agree. All right. All right. So episode three, entitled Choices, follows, again, Qui-Gon Jinn, still as a Jedi Knight, uh, with Mace Windu, also a Jedi Knight. Uh, they're, sent, they're, they're tasked with a mission by the Council to investigate the death of a Jedi, of a Jedi Master. Uh, and they arrive on this planet, and they go in, and they see this, I believe, another senator, right? I don't recall. Some, some sort of politician. He's acting very skittish and anxious, uh, which made me think at first that he killed her. And then it, they, uh, they go investigate the scene of the crime and see that uh, there are no blaster burns on the hull of the ship. And Dooku points that out as soon as he notices it, and accuses the, accuses the politician himself of killing her, when in fact it was his guards. And that's why he was, so, he was so anxious, because his guards were threatening him, and his guards were separatists, or at least the early stages of separatists. Am I? Everything's right, right? Uh, and so they, they send in these, these droids, and they start shooting at him themselves, and of course they repel them and fight him off. And Dooku is they they return to the to the Jedi Council, I suppose. Yes. Uh, on Coruscant, and it's revealed that Mace Windu is given the spot of uh, is given the position of Jedi Master, not 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 Dooku. Right, because. The Jedi Council was not pleased with the reports of Dooku's violence and hostility. Especially in this case, his less less the the violence and hostility, more the brazenness. Just mm. just calling them calling him out, throwing accusations wildly. That's not what a Jedi would do. Well, we're seeing Dooku's descent in real time here. Um, I did find this to be the weakest episode, despite the fact that, you know, it gave us a little more insight into the slip and fall from Grace that Dooku had. I did, fi- I did find this to be the one that uh, definitely lost my interest quickly. I found episode five to do that for me, but... Well, we'll get to episode five yeah. when we get to episode five. I thought all in all this was great, and it showed... it. it at, at one point, it showed... Uh, Showed Count Dooku talking to the the leader of the guards, I suppose, and talking about the about how his idea was right, but his execution was wrong, which is a nice, a little more than blaringly obvious uh, bit of foreshadowing to his to his role later on as like leader of the separatist army. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I found it to be a, you know, an acceptable episode, but not my, not my favorite. And maybe the reason that I don't care for it so much is because you had Samuel L. Jackson as the original Mace Windu and the animated one is subpar. Let's be honest. Anytime you replace Samuel L. Jackson it's going to be subpar. And I, maybe, maybe that's why I don't care for it. 
because um, I always disliked the uh, the episodes of the Clone Wars with him. Not because I don't like the character of Mace Windu, but because I don't like the not Samuel L. Jackson Windu. You know why? Because he's a bad mother. Anyway, all right, let's move on. Episode four was called The Sith Lord. In my opinion, the best of the episodes. It was really good. Oh, this episode was hot. It's it's really great. In this episode, it starts out with Dooku in the Jedi archives, and he goes in and he uses Sifo Diaz, uh, code to access the archives and delete the location of Camino. For you not incredibly nerdy people, he is setting up what happens in episode two. Uh, Kamino is the planet where they they had all the cloners make the clones that that basically make up the entirety of the premise of the rest of everything up to episode four. Um, and he goes in and he deletes all that in in our cold open, and then from there, it he meets up with Master Yaddle, who is the Lady Yoda. I like to think of her as uh, Baby Yoda's mama. The, the the Baby Yoda mama. That's right. Oh. Yoda's baby mama. Y- yeah. Yoda is the data, and Yaddle is the mama. Ah, oh, slap your ass I must. <laughs> anyway, so she mentions to Dooku that... Qui-Gon had been attacked by a Sith Lord, which does not seem to surprise Dooku at all, leading me to believe that he knew. He knew that the Sith were making resurgence. And then uh, he has a conversation with Yaddle and Qui-Gon about this Sith Lord, who is... Darth Maul. Darth Maul. Darth Maul is... Uh, one of the my favorite characters. Absolutely. I mean, they episode one made him not interesting at all, but once Dave Filoni got his hands on him in the Clone Wars and Rebels, he's such a great character. So uh, at that point, Yaddle. Well, I don't remember how why Yaddle went off into space, but she took a ship out to a remote planet, and on that planet. Or maybe she was following Dooku. She followed Dooku, and they they got on shuttles. Not they 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 went to a like dirtier part of Coruscant. Oh, they were still on Coruscant. Okay. Uh, and Dooku went there to meet up with Emperor Palpatine or Senator Palpatine at the time, I suppose. Or would he have been Chancellor at the time? He would have been Darth Sidious. Darth Sidious, yes. Um, he would not have been cha- Chancellor yet, because this this is all during Episode One. Yes, this or, is this is while he's still Senator. He becomes r- Chancellor between between Episodes One and Two. Right, and this takes place between when they're stranded on Tatooine and Qui Gon is killed uh, on the Trade Federation ship. No, Qui Gon is killed, and he no, finds Qui Gon is not dead in this episode. Qui Gon is dead in this episode. That he he he. That's why he was upset at Sidious. 
Oh because yes. He was he was like, Hey yo, what the fuck? He was not supposed to die. True that. So yeah, and and then Sidious said, Well, you killed my apprentice, I killed yours. Yup, 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 yup. Nick, 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 nick. Uh so anyway, so then Yaddle comes out and she's like you know, this is unacceptable. Come come with me, Dooku. Like, leave, do not turn to the dark side. Uh, at which point, the, you know, the emperor, or he's not the emperor yet, but Darth Sidious starts to basically be the demon on his shoulder while Yaddle is the angel on his shoulder. And they're trying to convince him to turn light or dark. And ultimately, he chooses to go dark and fight Yaddle. And it is... This is when the animation was fantastic because it was a great lightsaber battle. It did not look clonky or awkward. Like, I mean, why does walking look awkward, but a lightsaber battle can look fantastic? Because you have to, you have to divide where you put your time and effort. Mm, fair. So there's a great lightsaber battle, at which point there's this weird door that is, looks like it's made out of a gear. Uh, but like the bottom half is the the inside of the gears, and then the top half is the the external gear, and it's also kind of like a smile. It's it's very strange. Uh, but Yaddle ends up in there, and then Dooku shuts it on her, and it is gloriously, oh, uh, gloriously violent and and just beautiful. And Dooku knows he's turned to the dark side, and there's no coming back. At which point. Yaddle opens the door, and she once again implores him one last time, do not turn to the dark side. But she's exhausted. She's been crushed, and he has no choice. He tells her it's far too late and kills her. Cuts her down. So gruesome and perfect. This episode was literally and figuratively dark. It it felt like it was a whole, a whole bunch of Rays and comp- compared to the rest of the show, which was a lot brighter, it just felt sad. It felt because the the environment was dirty and gross and damp, and it just felt awful. Yeah, it felt gruesome and amazing. That battle, you know, with with the reds and everything that they did, it reminded me of the the battle at the end of episode two when they battled when uh when Yoda battles Dooku. Honestly, you have a, a female version of Yoda, whatever race they are, fighting against Dooku in a red metallic room. I mean, that totally... Was it, where, was it red? It was. I thought it was gray. It was reddish. It was like a, grust, it was like a rust-colored room. It, it looked like a, a rusty metal thing. And it, it reminded me of uh, the, end, the end battle... You know, after the clone troopers have already arrived and they're trying to stop Dooku from getting off planet in his weird sailboat spaceship. Um, it's not a sailboat, it's a schooner. Anyway, that was my take on this. Uh, and I thought it was a great episode. I thought it was the best episode. And I think that, like, that was, that was the absolute best you're going to get from an anthology. L- like, something that's given short stories to fill in Little points that not necessarily don't make sense, but, like, definitely could use filling in. It's just nice to see the reaction and how he was connected to Sidious even before he officially left the Order. Mm. 
So episode five was called Practice Makes Perfect. And the premise of the episode was that Ahsoka Tano is on Coruscant training to be a Jedi. And she's training against remote droids as Luke did on the Millennium Falcon in episode four. And, I mean, she absolutely, you know, destroys these remote droids. She's fantastic. She could do all the flips and tricks and dual-wield lightsabers like a boss. And then they roll out some new training droids that are based off of battle droids. And she has, like, some kind of ring that comes inward, like something out of uh, Fortnite. And, you know, she like it's slowly getting smaller, her arena that she can fight inside of, and... She absolutely slays these things. But Anakin, being the uh, the weird control freak that he is, says, Oh, yeah, that's not good enough. Like, I don't I don't feel like you'd really survive. Uh, you know, your your training kind of stinks, it's generic. How about you do how about you train like this? And he puts her in a room with uh, a a garrison or a battalion of clone troopers firing uh stun you know firing their guns on stun against her and she's trying to repel them with her lightsabers and at first she gets like you know three of them and then boom gets knocked out and as the episode progresses she does better and better uh and eventually uh you know she's able to really fight these things off and the payoff is the end of the episode takes you to the end of episode seven after order 66 and all the clone troopers have turned and Rex is the only clone trooper that hasn't turned against her. And he leads her into a room with a full garrison. That time it was a garrison. And it was the same one. It was the, it was the 501st. It was the same garrison, just, just larger. Right. Um, so he leads her into a room full of them. Obviously, she intends to kill as many as humanly possible. <laughs> um, the opposite. Or, or as clonely possible. I guess it's not humanly possible. It's, it's, it, Are clones humans? I mean, they're, I believe, I mean, yeah, they're, they're. I guess that, I guess that all, I mean, was Django Fett a human? That's the, that's the next question. He was. I, I mean, if, yes. you're, if you're cloning Django Fett, you know, first of all, if Django Fett is a, a boobin, which is a human, but from somewhere else, and he has, you know, two femurs or something that makes him not the same as us, then obviously, no, these clones are not human. But let's just, for the sake of argument, say that Boba Fett is from Baltimore, Maryland. Django Fett. He lives, he lives in Middle River right next door to us. Django Fett, you're right, Django Fett. And then he goes off into outer space and he gets cloned. Are his clones human? See, I'm starting to think that that they're not, because I mean they could have cloned any they could have cloned any race, but they chose they chose they chose him in particular. Right. He he doesn't like a normal human would wouldn't have any like extra desirable traits, but I mean I think I think I think wasn't he Mandalorian technically? Well, uh, is is well, Mandalorian a race? Mandalorian's not a race. It's a culture. It's a culture. But, I mean, the Mandalorians themselves are their own little sub-race of humans. No. They, they are. Their, their families are, like, hooking up all the time and stuff. M- like, m- the Mandalorians that we see in our shows are humanoids. 
if not humans. But the original Mandalorians were not humanoid at all. Yes, they were not. Um, but because the Mandalorian culture is to take in a youngling, so to speak. Foundling. A foundling. That's what, yes, that's what they're called, foundling. And train them. Uh, that, then they're not, they're not a race. They're just a culture. Uh, and it just so happens that I guess humans are the weakest and always end up in need of Mandalorian help. So we tend to be pervasive in everything we do. And so I guess we, we just took over the Mandalorian culture. Um, so, yeah, that is episode five. I thought uh, you did not, you, you said earlier in this conversation that you did not care for this episode. Why did you not like this episode? It was so incredibly weak. I mean, I know they were trying to do a parallel between that and season seven's end, but the parallel itself wasn't all that great. The actual episode itself, like, I, I struggled to pay attention to it. I just didn't feel like it was as powerful as the other episodes. I I felt and I felt like Anakin was kind of acting out of character. To be entirely honest, that doesn't really seem like th- something that Anakin would do. He's always been a dick. He's always been a dick. Yes, but he's that just doesn't seem like something he would do. He's kind of a stickler, to be honest. Like I, I mean, I felt like he was a stickler. He was a stickler for making sure that she was trained properly. And it really was the best way to train her. It was definitely out of uh, unorthodox. But I I thought it was an okay episode. I did not think it was subpar. I didn't think it was subpar. I just think it was meh. Okay, that's fair. Meh. It was a little hard to stay interested during, you know, six minutes of her getting shot with stun blasters, (laughs) you know? And... Oh, she's passed out again. Oh, she woke up. Oh, she got shot again. Is this the end of the episode? Oh, nope, she's just blacked out. Um, so, I don't know. It was okay. The final episode, episode six, was called Resolve. And Resolve follows Ahsoka uh, as she attends the funeral of Padme. And Senator, Senator Bail Organa gives her a communicator and says, if you ever need me, reach out to me. Uh, then we find her sometime later uh, as a farmer, and she's farming, and s- there's a brother and sister duo that are loading bales of hay on a cart, and a bale of hay falls, and uh, or the whole cart falls over on top of the sister, and Ahsoka is able to push the bales out of the way using the force to save the sister. Uh, at which point the sister knows, but nobody else knows that she is a Jedi. She's still incognito. And what is her ridiculous name? Her ridiculous name. Hold on, I wrote this down because I did not want to forget. Ashla. Ashla. But then again, we know that the Jedi are not famous for their clever disguise names. Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi. So, anyway... She talks to the sister later that night. They're supposed to, you know, they're talking about how they have to go sell this hay, this hay the next day. And the sister's like, well, we'll be okay, Master Jedi. And she's like, shh, don't tell anybody my secret. But the brother was listening in because he's a jealous little 
Empire sympathizer. So, Nerd. so while they're away, the brother rats them rats out Ahsoka to the Empire, and they return to their little farm on fire, and all that's left are the brother and the guy that I guess owns the farm, and they're being held captive by a Sith Inquisitor who's looks amazing plague doctor vibes well he looked like um the sith lord on the cover of knights of the old republic too like he had that cool mask and the hood but he had the he had the empire symbol on his on his uh cloak and ahsoka has to fight him without a lightsaber so the inquisitor has his cool spinny lightsaber like they do in rebels and attacks Ahsoka, and Ahsoka is so awesome sauce that she's able to take the lightsaber out of the hands of the Inquisitor and decapitate him with his own lightsaber. That was pretty sick. That was pretty awesome. I gotta be honest. So I think episode six was my second favorite episode. It's mine. It's mine as well. I, I just have one major question, and it's, what's up with the Inquisitor? Who, who, Who is that? Like, is is that the Grand Inquisitor? We, I don't think so. We saw the face, like, deflate afterward. What's going on there? That, that can't be the Grand Inquisitor. Maybe it was the original Grand Inquisitor? I don't know. Maybe Grandpa made him out of balloon animals or something. I don't know. What's what's going on there? I could not tell you. Uh, it is a great... It is weird that his face deflated. I didn't understand that. But the body still felt like a regular body. It wasn't like... He was a droid, and, you know, he had some kind of, like, bubbly exoskeleton. So I don't know. If anyone listens to this and they know, let us know. Kind of reminds me of, like, those, those, those spy things from Episode 4. What spy things from Episode 4? I don't know. I'm just thinking of the, uh, the, Lego, the Lego Star Wars game and remember that little thing that went... That's Episode 5. You're talking about the little floaty thing with the legs? Yes. Yeah, that's episode five. It, that's that's the little thing that flies through Hoth. No, 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 not that thing. I'm talking about I'm talking about the little the little hooded thing that like ratted out the, the things for the empire. Oh, like the, the yeah the the, rep- the anteater. Yeah, the, that thing. Yeah. And, and didn't it come back in the Mandalorian to and do the do the flute thing? No, 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 no. You're that was thinking thing. you're thinking of Max Rebo's band. Max Rebo's band did come no, back. No, I mean, I mean, the first episode, he like did the flute thing, and it, he made a uh, he made a car come in, like a like a speeder for the ice, in episode one. Oh, maybe that 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 sort of creature. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it just kind of reminded me of that, but tall. You know. All right. So, out of five stars, I give this three and a half. I'd give it. I'd, I'd probably give it just about the same. I'd, I'd probably give it four. It 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 had its amazing moments and it had its. Meh. Well, well, all of animated Star Wars has its meh. I wouldn't say all of animated Star Wars. I think. Uh, I think, like especially Clone Wars season seven. Uh, no, even Clone Wars season season seven has its meh. It all has its meh. It all has its meh. Yeah. I thought this was great. It was little 15-minute bursts, basically 90 minutes of, of television. Yeah. But- I, didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I just feel like it was okay. I was good with it. Yeah, I'm cool with this. 
Well, that concludes our excellent review, or maybe it's not excellent review, of Star Wars Tales of, Tales the, Jedi. of the Jedi. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys in the next one. Bye.